Epicor is the essential partner to the world's most essential businesses, offering ERP solutions built for growth and operational success. Explore the industry productivity solutions we curate for the automotive, building supply, distribution, manufacturing, and retail industries by visiting epicor.com slash essential. That's E-P-I-C-O-R dot com slash essential. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello, and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Today's episode features Bola Odina. Bola is a managing partner at MBA Growth Partners, a business advisory and management consultancy for small to medium-sized businesses. Bola is a mother to three children and the host of Someday is Today, a lifestyle podcast where she encourages listeners to take control of their lives and to start checking off things from their bucket list. The part of Boost that Bola addresses during our conversation is tap into new markets. Let's listen in. Hey, Bola, welcome to the Boost podcast. Hi, Kelly. So excited to be on. I can't wait to get into this. I know. I know. Me too. So before we get too far in our conversation, for those folks that are listening in for, and do not know who you are or who MBA Growth Partners is, tell us a little bit more about your background and the work that you do. Yes. So we are a business advisory consulting firm. I myself have been a management consultant for the past 18 or so years. I recently left Accenture to start my own practice, MBA Growth Partners, and we have been in practice for coming on a year. And we provide strategic business advisory support for small businesses, nonprofits, as well as entrepreneurs who are looking to go to market with new products and services. Awesome. So I've got to ask because there's probably somebody that's listening that's in this transitional phase where maybe they're at a job, they're content with it, but they're, they feel like they should be doing a little bit more. So tell us more about what that transition was like in terms of what, how did you prepare yourself to pivot from the comfort of a W-2 paycheck to shifting into entrepreneurship. Right. So, so I would say how I prepared myself versus how I tell others to prepare <laughs> themselves are probably two different things. Um, I had been wanting to do my own thing for some time. Matter of fact, I graduated from business school in 2010, specifically with the intention of starting my own business. Um, however, had children. And when you have three mouths to feed, it's very difficult and uncomfortable to hop into, um, you know, business ownership. Um, however, you know, loved my time at Accenture, really enjoyed the work that I did. But every day I continued to get the itch to do my own thing, go out and help small businesses as well as entrepreneurs who are really looking to um, get a firmer holding on their, a firmer footing on their businesses. Um, so at one point, I really just decided, you know what, let me start something on the side and start to advise businesses and sort 
sort of see how this goes. Mm -hmm. And I did that probably for about six months or so. Um, I did not have the opportunity to replace my income before leaving Accenture, but I think the six months allowed me the time to really feel comfortable starting on my own, as well as the comfort knowing that we would be able to make it as a household if we were to lose my income completely. So I think what the six months allowed me to do was dip my foot in there. I did not get the strong sort of footing that I would typically advise other business owners or entrepreneurs who are looking to leave behind a W-2 before I fully jumped in there. Um, but my advice would be, you know, really start a side hustle, whatever that means to you. Obviously, the transition from something being a side hustle versus a full-time business is always going to be night and day. Um, there's a lot of things to learn, new opportunities to experience as you're starting out, and it's all going to require a lot of time. Um, but my advice overall is if you have the itch, just go ahead and get started, however small or big you feel comfortable with, and that's something you'll have to decide um, with your family. Gotcha. Now, how did you make the decision to focus on small to medium-sized businesses? Because I know oftentimes when folks pivot from their full-time work into kind of building their own business, they tend to focus on where they have relationships or where they have, where they're most comfortable, their familiarity. And so how did you, and, and we all know that small businesses, certainly small businesses cannot afford Accenture. However, okay. how did you make the decision to be intentional around supporting those demographics, small to medium-sized businesses? You know, that's always been a passion space for me as someone who um, has limited resources as a minority woman myself. I know from my experience in the corporate world, as you said, that um, most small business owners cannot afford um, consulting companies like Accenture, et cetera. So I certainly wanted to leave and be able to be of value and work in a space that is interesting, exciting, but also a space that I felt like my skill set could go much further. A lot of times when you're working for a bigger consulting firm, um, your expertise really becomes quickly streamlined to a point where you're working on a very specific part of the project. And I like to do it all from strategy to implementation to execution, as well as staying on afterwards to continue to advise um, the business owners or the clients that I'm working with. So I really think that space allows me to play around, but also bring the full set of my expertise to the table to provide um, value immediately. So now what would you say is um, what aspect of the work that you do brings you the most joy or the most, most passion? Because I know you cover sort of a broad range of business advisory and management consultancy types of services. Is there a particular area where you're like, oh my gosh, I could do this particular thing for small to medium sized businesses all day and night long and mm -hmm. it would be super fulfilling for me. Yeah, so more specifically, the sort of advice that we provide are generally around strategic planning, um, operational efficiencies um, around process improvements, measuring your, your processes for um, efficiencies, collecting data to be able to measure what's working and what's not, and then re-engineering, um, leveraging automations and system that allows you to really get a bigger bang out of your process. Um, so for me, that's the space that I get the most excited about. I think process improvements, process efficiencies really ties in the strategy, um, which we also provide as well. But, you know, what 
is the purpose of a specific business line or a specific um, mission that an organization has and how are you structuring your day-to-day -day operations really pulls in the initial strategy that you have for your organization but then how you do business from a people process technology perspective really is what process engineering improvements um, is all about and that's the space that I really enjoy working in the most. I think a lot of times small business owners do not have the time to really think about what their system should be or should look like for how they operate. Um, they have a passion, they jump in there and really get to work. So we get to come in and really help them pull all of that together, put the processes in place and think about ways for them to really leverage technology. There's so much available to us now, leveraging cloud applications, cloud systems that a lot of business owners, um, you know, some of them may be aware of it, a lot are not, but either way to actually embed it within their day-to-day -day operations tends to be difficult because there's just a million and one things to do for small business owners. So for us to come in and help them re-envision how they might work and how they could leverage limited resources around people, money, um, and really put in place the technology infrastructure is one of the areas that I get really excited about. Wow, you know, and there was so much that you just said, and in light of what we're all experiencing right now around COVID-19, when you talk about process improvement, people process, tech, cloud, all those, you know, leveraging technology, what in your estimation is one of the big lessons that you believe is going to be learned by small to medium-sized business as a result of what so many of us are experiencing right now? Well, what the world is experiencing right now around COVID-19, is there any sort of um, already prescriptive lesson learned mm -hmm. that you would like to impart or share with um, the listeners just based on what we're all feeling around COVID-19? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of organizations um, quickly ramped up to pull in place, um, put in place some sort of business continuity plans um, around their people um, process technology, um, but most of them likely haven't thought about it. Uh, most people just take for granted the ability for your employees to come to work. We all work in the same place. Um, we'll leverage um, personal computers and have people do work and print something out or walk it over to your next door cubicle neighbor and have them sign it. However, when you no longer are working out of the same location, you really then start to think about what could we do differently to change our business architecture, which all relates once again back to people process technology. And I think the big lesson will be making sure that you have the business continuity plans in place in case of an emergency, should someone who is a key decision maker become sick or unavailable, um, how do we ensure that business does not stop operating? And do our people know who to go to, what processes to kick off, um, you know, what sort of products do we need to ramp down when um, to really push some other service lines that could be more beneficial to us. Um, so to me, I think a business continu continuity plan um, is likely something most folks will really start thinking about and educating their workforce around in terms of um, how to implement it should that time comes. 
I definitely agree with that. Is there anything else that you predict might um, an outcome as a result of what we feel like I'm thinking in the back of my mind, because so many smaller businesses, perhaps they had traditional brick and mortar or everyone's in the office that maybe this shifting of the atmosphere in, in the workplace that we were traditionally used to, that maybe some might decide, oh, wow, we can do this remotely. Like we're just going to go remote now. Like, do you see other things like based on this new normal that may be created as a result of COVID-19? Yeah, I completely agree. I think a lot of people will probably spend time investing on their technology. So everyone will likely have a Zoom account moving forward. Um, so enable being able to quickly um, schedule meetings and keep things going. Um, but to your point, I, I completely agree. I think we'll likely see businesses who have typically not considered social media marketing, um, establishing their online presence, um, and really finding ways to reach out to clients beyond the typical face-to-face -face that a lot of them have done in the past. Um, I think we'll really start to see businesses be more creative um, with social media, with videos, with graphics, um, in terms of promoting their businesses and engaging their customers. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I have to ask this because you are a fellow podcaster. And so I want you to share with our listeners more about your lifestyle podcast, Someday is Today. So what caused you to want to start this podcast and tell us a little bit more about what its purpose is, your mission, your vision for, where, for how you're going to intend to grow or to continue growing the podcast? Yeah. Um, so I mentioned a bit earlier about how my transition from my corporate work was not as planned out as perhaps it should have been. Um, I think I really just got to a point where I felt a need to um, honor the, the, the firm that I wanted to start, NBA Growth Partners. But at the same time, I wanted to honor my creative side. I felt like I'd spend a lot of time really just going to work in, as well as being a mom. So what happens in that process is you look around and you realize that you've lost a part of yourself. So um, I'd always wanted to blog and I, realizing that I didn't have the time to um, blog as much as I would want, I decided to start exploring starting a podcast. And literally, it just happened that I was driving by the launch workspaces one day, realized that they had a podcast studio, and just decided that I would go in and um, start recording. And, you know, similar to what happened with um, starting my practice, I didn't have a clear idea for what I wanted the podcast to be, but I knew I wanted to track my journey, transitioning from an employee to a business owner, um, but also really tracking the journey of what it takes to build something from scratch. I think a lot of times when we see other business owners or other folks who are really doing well, we see them at their point of either completion or at a point where they're doing really well for them and it becomes really difficult for the typical person to be um, encouraged to also go out and start their own thing. Um, so what I wanted to do was, um, number one, keep me accountable for, um, you know, tracking my own journey and honoring, 
honoring my creative side, but mm -hmm. at the same time, should it be helpful to others who are considering doing their own thing, starting something completely different from what they're comfortable with, or even getting a behind the scenes look into what it takes to start something from scratch, I thought it would be a good way to really just document that process and as well as interview others who are um, on that journey as well of um, making taking the leap and um, starting new businesses exploring new ventures and um, folks who are essentially um, you know live in the model of someday is today which essentially says live now you know why wait till yeah. tomorrow to do what you want get started today it's imperfect but over time you can refine it and um, make it what you want and i love the way you just casually oh i was just driving by launch workplaces and i noticed <laughs> <laughs> so i just started this little podcast so easy <laughs> yeah yeah well you know the, the funny thing is um it does seem sort of um you know, casual, but but I'll say that's pretty much what it was the first day. But as you know, it takes a lot of work and effort to then get it up and going, um, find someone to edit, you know, folks to interview. So the work that's gone into it over time has become way more than the initial, um, you know, driving by <laughs> the launch <Right>. workspaces to, <laughs> to go in and start recording. But to your point, do you think we tend to overanalyze things to the point where where then we just say no to, because in hindsight, looking back, even looking at some of the challenges that you've had with launching the podcast, and I don't want to make light of the fact that you did, like that you did make it sound really casual that it, oh, it was just super easy to get it started. But don't you think that you almost need to, as an entrepreneur, approach it with that bit of um, almost delusional optimism in order to just rip the bandaid off and go for it. Because otherwise I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they say, Oh, I want to start a podcast. And you talk to them like two, three years later and they still haven't started it. And so it's like, just rip the bandaid off already. And so it, you know, I, I really admire the fact that you, the way that you did make it sound like, Oh, it's just so, Oh, I think I'll just start this thing because I think that's a healthy way to approach, well, not everything, but certainly podcasting, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I do think there's a place for pulling together a good strategy before you implement something, particularly when you have limited resources and um, it's important to get it right, or at least, um, you know, um, get it as close to being right as possible first time out. But something like a podcast or a lot of some of the other um, creative endeavors that people want to jump in, um, you pretty much can rip the bandaid up um, off and get started. I think we tend to overthink it because we see, once again, other people um, such as yourself who've been in this space and we see that you have amazing um, stats when it comes to the number of your downloads and um, how many episodes you have. And that can be daunting for a lot of people because they're comparing themselves to others who've been at it for some time. But everyone started somewhere. Um, and everyone had their very first episode. So you might as well focus on that initial starting point and see what you can do. Um, when I did the first recording of my podcast, um, you know, the intention was not to release it right away. I really just want to get to get some thoughts out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I probably recorded a good nine episodes before I finally felt comfortable, wow. um, you know, releasing it. So wow. once again, you know, the whole process does not have to be completely fully fleshed out before you 
um, start biting up parts of the process. Um, think about some small actionable steps that you can tackle right away while you continue to plan it out if you do happen to be someone who is particular about having a full-blown strategy. That's something that you can um, honor um, while doing something right away and not waiting till all the planning is done before you get started. Yeah. Well, and I love, I appreciate the way that um, in one of your pod, the, one of the podcast episodes that I listened to, you were interviewing your husband, Mac. And it was just like, I felt like I was like at the kitchen table, just like drinking coffee with you guys. Like just, <laughs> it was so, but, but I think to your point, you know, so often we perfect our craft to the point where it feels artificial. And so many people to a point that you made earlier, um, they, honor and they appreciate the authenticity and, you know, the genuine nature of the ums and the oops and, you know, the whistling in the background that we just right. heard. <laughs> because that, you know, that's, that's true life. I mean, mm -hmm. we can't, we can't um, you know, sort of Photoshop our, our way through life. And so we do have these moments where it's not going to be perfect. And oftentimes that perfection is, the enemy of progress and we get so caught up in making sure that it's this perfect little picture and, and it's just not realistic. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say it really just depends on what you want, what the end goal is for your product or what it is that you're doing. I think, you know, if your goal is to have something aspirational for people, um, then it does make sense that you come out and have a, well-packaged product <laughs> because yeah, that's yes. what people can aspire to. Um, but if the purpose is to show the behind the scenes right. and to encourage others to feel free to, um, you know, just jump in there and get started, then I think you can't afford to, you know, just show people um, what it means and income as you are at that point and take them on that journey of refining as you go. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, Bola, I have truly enjoyed our conversation. If anyone's listening to the podcast and wants to connect with you, either to listen to your podcast or to just connect with you to learn more about MBA Growth Partners, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, I would say the best way is LinkedIn. Um, Bola Dina at LinkedIn. Um, Bola Dina on LinkedIn. I'm also on um, all social medias, um, Instagram, Bola Dina, Facebook, Bola Dina, but professionally, LinkedIn is probably a good place to get started. Awesome. And Odina is spelled A-U-D-E-N-A, -E good people. So definitely reach out to Bola. Let her know that you heard her on the Boost podcast so that she can understand the context of you reaching out and Bola. I am just so grateful for your contributions to the small and medium-sized businesses throughout the DMV and around the world. Thank you for everything that you do. I'm so appreciative of you. Well, thank you, Kelly. You are such an inspiration and I'm just honored to be on the famed Boost podcast and um, I, I'm excited to um, be a part of it. So thank you for having me on. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com.